John chapter 10. If you grab your Bibles and join me in John chapter number 10, a little different for us this evening, no outline, uh, so follow along here overhead with the presentation there. If you'd like to take notes, I'd encourage you to do so. And uh, see, the title of the message is just simply this, Earmarks of His Sheep, Earmarks of His Sheep. We'll get into it in John chapter 10. And again, appreciate you being here tonight. Good to see family and friends of many of you, and uh, trust you've enjoyed time together. And it's good to see you all out on this uh, rather unseasonable warm uh, day, huh? And uh, it was nice to see some sunshine today, wasn't it? A little, just a glimpse of it at least, some blue sky a little bit. That was nice. And I uh, missed all the rain. You probably, like me, are thinking if, if this rain had only all been snow, amen? And uh, for those of you who want to see snow, though some don't, and uh, apparently the baby didn't want to see snow. But anyway, uh, John chapter 10, and if you'll join me there, earmarks of his sheep. As we delve into this passage, you know what we find out? This is quite interesting. Jesus actually had an audience problem. Jesus had an audience problem. Now, I look out across here, and I see many different folks who teach Sunday school, some who preach, and uh, uh, maybe you get up and speak a devotional and things like that. And all of us, uh, that's a little comforting, isn't it? As we get up, we preach, we teach. There are times that we maybe don't know, make a connection with an audience. The audience doesn't seem to be getting the concept. And uh, if you teach children in any shape, form, or capacity, you always know there's times where you feel like they're not getting it. And uh, uh, something maybe over their head or they're not following along, or they are distracted, and uh, whatever the case may be. Jesus Christ had an audience problem. But when we think of Christ, immediately we think what? Well, he was a master teacher. I mean, he, he, he was the perfect teacher. Uh, he, he used perfect illustrations. He had a perfect command of the audience and the, uh, of the platform. We might describe it as such. He had perfect knowledge. And like no one else, Christ had a perfect understanding of his audience. Every heart that would have been gathered there, every person. So how did Jesus Christ have an audience problem? Well, the passage tells us, look with me, if you will, verse number 6 of John chapter 10. It's an interesting description. It says, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not one thing, what things they were which he spake unto them. If you know the passage, which most of us probably do, Jesus Christ is speaking about him being the great shepherd. And he's expounding upon all the things that he does as the great shepherd, what he has done for his sheep, and, and so forth and so on. He's describing greatly that. And within it, we find out that he also gives the earmarks of his sheep. In other words, what marks those that are his? If any of you are familiar with, obviously, cattle and everything else, often a farmer will put a brand on a cattle, livestock, whatever the case may be that marks it as his well the bible describes for you and i some earmarks some marks of those sheep that are his now what i find interesting we read this in the middle of this passage that they don't understand they're not getting the illustration it's going over the head he's not connecting with the audience they're not grasping the idea that he's trying to get across and so what do we find well jesus christ repeatedly we often hear in education repetition aids learning and so the reality is he repeats it many times over he gives different truths about the earmarks of his sheep about what he does as the shepherd how he provides for them how he meets their needs we think about the the context of john chapter 10 he equates mankind with sheep now that's not something that originated with Jesus Christ. This would not have been new to the audience there. Most of these would have been Jews. They would have grown up at least around the temple. They would have been familiar with much of the Old Testament. And there are many references in the Old Testament that does just that. It equates people 
his people, especially with sheep. We think of Psalm chapter 23. There's David, the shepherd himself, who would know sheep better than the shepherd. And David describes you and I, the reader, he himself as sheep, and then God as our shepherd. Now, one of my favorite passages or references to it in Ezekiel 34, 31, God speaking, ye are my flock. You're the flock of my pasture, our men, all of us, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. I love that presentation there. Psalm 100, you know it well. Psalm 100 reiterates this concept that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We could mention many more. We could reference many, many more Old Testament references to the reality that this comparison, this illustration, that you and I, that mankind are like sheep as Christ does here. So it's not a new concept. When Christ speaks of this, they are familiar with that. It is a concept that would have been uh, infused in Judaism and the teaching they heard in the temple from the high priest and others likewise. And yet, what do we know about sheep? Okay? Because in that day, many of, them would have, uh, many of them would have been shepherds, but at least they would know something about tending to sheep. It would have been familiar. It wouldn't have been unusual in that day, in Christ's day, for a family to have one sheep or be familiar with it in a sense. So they understood what sheep were like, and each one would have understood this simple truth. Sheep need a shepherd. Without a shepherd, sheep are lost. Without a shepherd, sheep are lost. They need the guiding hand. They need the direction. They need somebody to watch over or protect and meet every need, if we could put it that way. And I, I like... I like one of the statements that Christ makes here. To me, it's my favorite part of this passage is in verse number 14. Look with me, if you will, there. Verse number 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. And then he makes this statement, and know my sheep and am known of mine. I like that description, don't you? We are his sheep. In other words, he says, they're my sheep. Isn't it good to belong to God tonight? Isn't it good to belong to Jesus Christ? Hey, they are my sheep. I know them. I am the good shepherd. They are my sheep. They are mine. Okay? You know, sometimes if you have children, you don't like hearing that word, mine. (laughs) Because normally it's when they don't want to share something. Amen? Okay? But when God says it, when Jesus Christ says it, he looks at you and you and he says, you are mine. Can I just tell you, it is a good thing to belong to him alone. To be all of Christ. to To belong to him. He says, they are my sheep. It's a good thing to be Christ's sheep. It's a good thing to be God's sheep. Tonight, we want to reflect on the goodness of being one of Christ's sheep, if we could put it such, having him as our shepherd. We'll do so by looking at the earmarks of one of a sheep. In other words, how do you know whose are his? How do you know whose are God's sheep? Who belongs to Jesus Christ? Who is it that he can say, well, that's my sheep? He could look from heaven, down from heaven, or if he could speak from heaven tonight, and he could look at each one of us, say, that's my sheep. What would mark his sheep? Look with me, if you will, first of all, verse number seven. Verse number seven. Then Jesus said unto them, uh, verily, verily, or truly, truly, uh, he said unto them, and, uh, unto them again. Notice that statement. He's repeating it, right? Uh, trying to help them to understand. Then said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Number one, you know what earmark or what marks his sheep? It's simply this. Number one, his sheep have entered by the one and only door. He says, listen, I'm the door. Uh, they, the sheep have entered by this door alone. There's only one way into God's sheepfold. And that's through the one door. He alone is the way, Jesus Christ. And it's the consistent message within the scriptures. 
from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It is a consistent message, and it is the central theme of Christ preaching here on earth. He himself would say what? I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We know that. It's a consistent teaching and theme throughout the entirety of the scriptures and even Christ's preaching and teaching here on earth. There's but one way to heaven. There's but one means of salvation. It's simple. You must enter through the one and only door. Now, can I tell you, when I moved to Michigan, one of the things I learned early on in visitation is you have to know which door people use in their house. There's a lot of different doors, and sometimes there's a side door, sometimes there's a back door, sometimes there's the front door. I remember the first year or two I was here in Michigan, I would stand at the front door, often knocking, and nobody would come to the front door. Then I would learn, as we were out on visitation with different people, a lot of people here in Michigan, we like to use our side door or a back door. And so you'd kind of see where the path was worn best, and you'd have to decipher which is the door they use. Can I just tell you right now, I sure am thankful that God made it simple, there's only one door. There's no confusion. There's no, there's no, uh, uh, well, is it this? Is it that? Is it that? No. The Bible's clear. The only way to heaven, the only way in God's sheepfold is through the door. So Jesus Christ says, I am the door. I am the door. And my friend, it is a repeated theme throughout the scriptures. You see, he's made it very clear. There's no confusion. Our, our God is not a God of confusion. There's but one door by which you enter a sheepfold. You become one of his sheep, and that is through faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When you do so, this verse says it, right? He says, be saved, and you'll be safe in that sheepfold of God. You'll be saved and be saved. Hell and sin and death have no more fear, no more threat for the sheep that belongs to Christ. I like the description of sheepfolds in that day. We often think of a fence or something as such today, but sheepfolds in that day were often made of stone, a, a small wall erected by stone and such forth. Often they would also use thorn bushes. Those thorn bushes would be erected as an outer um, fence and so forth. A lot of times they would butt up against a cliff face or even a cave or something like that. And, and in that one, uh, sheep coat within, or uh, excuse me, that, that place where they keep the, the sheep uh, would be one opening. In the description we often hear and read of is in that day, and especially at nighttime and things like that, when there were predators out and about, that shepherd would lay down in that opening. They didn't always necessarily have a gate or anything there. That shepherd would lay down in that doorway, keeping at bay the predators, but also protecting and keeping the sheep within. And Jesus Christ is a great picture of that. My friend, Jesus Christ is the door. There's no way into, uh, no other way in, into God's family, into God's sheepfold, than through the door of Jesus Christ. He alone is the access to the family of God, and to heaven. So here's the first earmark. Who are his sheep? Who is this he speak of in verse 14? These are my sheep. They are mine. Number one, they've entered into the sheepfold through the one and only door, Jesus Christ. But there's more. Turn with me and look at verse number nine, or look down with me at verse number nine. We'll read just the first part. It says this, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in. All right, now we're past the door. We've gone in through the one and only door. Look, he shall be saved. There's that terminology, right? Okay, now we look at verse, uh, the second part. Um, that he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. 
So number one, the sheep have entered in by the one and only door. He, you've entered in. You've been saved. That's where the first part of verse 9. Then we look here, the second part, and we find this. His sheep go in and out and are abundantly satisfied. His sheep go in and out and they are abundantly satisfied. This is probably, again, my favorite part of this passage. His sheep, the ones who have come to his sheepfold, have unparalleled access to God's blessings, provision, and protection. Could you imagine a sheep in that day who, who knew his, all his sheep? He knew, he knew who belonged to him. And, and often they would go out there as they're grazing in the pastures and things. There'd be other groups of sheep, right? There'd be other shepherds out there. And sometimes those sheep would mingle together. And it'd be easy for the sheep to kind of get all confused and so forth. And when it was time to take them back to the, the sheepfold or the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the place where they keep them and so forth, they would try to separate them. You can imagine if a sheep came along and was trying to enter into that place, that did not they did not belong to that sheep would kind of shy him away you, you don't belong here you're this is not your place this is you need to go find your shepherd well you think of the picture that as it would apply here he says listen my sheep they go in and out they find pasture they they find feeding and protection and so forth let me ask you this have you ever been to a place that requires a membership to get in and we might think immediately sam's club or costco or something like that right a place that you have to belong to. You have to have a membership card or whatever the case might be in order to get in to enjoy all that belongs to membership there. You realize what this verse is saying? If you are his sheep, if you have entered in through the one and only door of Jesus Christ, you get to go in and out. You get to go in and out of his fellowship and his presence. You get to experience all his blessings and all the things that come with being one of God's sheep. And my friend, I sure am thankful for all the many scriptures that describe what it means to be a sheep of God, what, what it means to belong to Jesus Christ, to go into his sheepfold. You see, as God's sheep, we get to go in and out continually. We get to experience the enjoyment and blessings of God's sheepfold. We get access to the nourishment of his pasture. That's what the passage here says. You, you get to go in and out into his pasture. You get to be fed, satisfied, him giving us everything we need. You know what that speaks of? It speaks of the privileged fellowship each sheep has with his shepherd. You know the great delights of this Christmas season that you and I just experienced? You and I got to fellowship with the very Christ who was born in that manger. Through prayer and Bible reading, through time of meditation, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and, and us to uh, commune and fellowship through prayer, you and I got to enjoy that unbroken fellowship with our shepherd. It's a privilege. It's interesting because even in this passage, Christ goes on to compare it with something. You remember what he says? He says, you know, sometimes there's a thief that comes in. A thief that likes to come in and, and he likes to, to pretend to himself that these sheep are his, that they belong to him. And I like the picture because honestly, in some ways, you could compare it to some modern false religions. How is the, the thief described in the passage? They don't come but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's where the thief likes getting into the sheepfold. He, he likes uh, taking those sheep and he, Christ compares himself to that. That thief, he likes to kill and destroy. But Jesus Christ is the, the, the good shepherd. And he likes to give you all the abundant enjoyment of relationship and fellowship with him. You are his sheep. And you can go in and out at your pleasure. You can experience everything that that privilege affords you. You see, whereas the thief comes and 
to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus Christ has come to give us life, and He has come to give us a life more abundant in its experience, enjoyments. In fact, that is what He says. Look at verse 10, if you will. He says this, The thief cometh not before to steal, and to kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Can I just tell you right now, tonight, Jesus Christ offers satisfaction. He offers contentment. He offers life abundant. Just be a sheep. Come in through the door. You can go in and out. You can enjoy that, that fellowship. If you're here tonight and, and the reality is you don't feel satisfied. Maybe you're his sheep and uh, you don't feel satisfied. You don't feel like you're enjoying the abundant life. There's really only two reasons why that's not true. As we read this passage, we often like that description, and certainly there's other passages that would go right along with it that describe the life that we can have in Jesus Christ. And often as a Christian or as a person, you say, you know what, I'm not sure that, that I'm enjoying that abundant life. Well, there's honestly just two basic reasons why you are not. The first one would be this. Number one, you're not one of a sheep. You're not one of a sheep. You don't get to go into the sheepfold. You don't get to experience everything that he describes in this passage. You don't belong to him. You don't get to enjoy the abundant provision, protection, the enjoyment of a sheepfold. You've never entered through the door. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We know there's many who will come in the end day and they will say, Lord, Lord, we did all this in your name. Literally, if we was equate that to today, you know what it means? There's a whole bunch of people running around calling themselves a Christian that don't know Jesus Christ. There's a whole bunch of people who, who claim, oh yeah, I'm religious, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but in reality, they have never entered into the sheepfold of God through the door. They've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And one of the revealing factors of that is this, they don't have any clue what it means to have abundant life. It's not that everything goes hunky-dory. It's not that you never face any problems or issues or trials. In fact, as a believer, you're going to have many troubles. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you probably have more than your fair share. But my friend, even in the face of storms, you can still have an abundant life. An abundant life. That's what Christ offers. So tonight you say, hey, Pastor Henry, I, I, I don't really, I'm not really enjoying that abundant life the Bible speaks of. Number one, make sure you're one of his. Number two, you say, well, what's the other reason sometimes? Well, secondly, you may be one of a sheep, but you're not acting like it. You may be one of a sheep, but you're not acting like it. You say, what do you mean? Well, the passage makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? You don't come in and out of his presence. You aren't a frequent flyer into God's presence. You don't enter in there and take advantage of the fellowship and the privilege of coming before God Almighty day in, day out, moment by moment, uh, what he offers for you and I. You're missing out because the, can I just tell you right now, the sheepfold of God is only profitable when you're in it. So there may be a sheep and says, you know, if a sheep could talk, oh yeah, that's my, that's my shepherd over there and that's the sheepfold and the protective area I go in. Boy, that's great protection. No wolves can get in there. Nothing can affect me there. But he's standing outside. That sheepfold does nothing for him until he goes in through the door. He goes in and out. He enjoys all the privileges and all the blessings and all the protection and all the provision that come along with being one of God's sheep. He goes in and out. And you see the description, he finds pasture. Have you found pasture this week? I mean, it describes the idea, and it's a picture of, of just an abundant line, a flourishment, a, an enjoyable, a peace, a, a satisfaction, a contentment. 
I just tell you, if you're a sheep of Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him, the only place you find that kind of contentment and satisfaction is in the presence of your Lord, in his presence. My friend, that's what it requires. The protection of the provision is found within the sheepfold in the presence of the, the shepherd. You cannot stray from the shepherd and think you will be satisfied and content as a sheep. That abundant life is only found in his pasture because, they, uh, because you're in his presence. You're with him. You walk with him. You see, many a sheep lacks the benefit of his pasture because they have strayed from the shepherd. And their hearts are not as close to him. They don't walk with him on a daily basis. They're not in his word. I like the picture if you see a shepherd walking down a path and he has a stick and the sheep just follow along. The sheep walking with the shepherd. That's literally what you and I must do on a daily basis because my friend, they're in the presence of your Savior, your Lord. That's abundant life. You fellowship with him. You enjoy his presence. You glean much from it. It's only found in his pasture. Maybe tonight there's someone here that the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart and saying this, come back to the sheepfold. Come back to the shepherd. Come in and out. Go in and out and find pasture every day. Go in and out and enjoy what he offers in his presence. Maybe the shepherd is just simply calling you, will you walk with me this week? Will you just walk with me this week? Will you go in and out with me? Will you, will you just spend time and can we just fellowship this week together? That is the earmark of his sheep. You see, his sheep have entered in by the one and only door. Number two, his sheep go in and out. They're abundantly satisfied. And I like this one too. Number three, we find it in verse number three. Look with me. Verse number three. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep bear his, hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. Jump ahead to verse 27, just the first part. He says this, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. My sheep hear my voice. Number three, can I tell you what earmarks or marks characterizes his sheep? They hear his voice and they're sensitive to it. They hear his voice and they are sensitive to it. Now I have been told by more than one of our wonderful nursery workers that when my children were young and they are in the nursery, they will often on the, the screens that are in the nursery hear my voice as I preach. And those children will stop and they'll look at the TV screen because why? They've heard dad's voice. And as they do so, you know what, what reality is? It gets their attention like little else does. Like nothing else does. It gets their attention. It, it, meaning they stop everything and it, I have their attention even though I'm on a screen. The same thing happens when I'm at home and Erica's been away and maybe Erica's run an errand or something like that. And especially I think of Reed. It happened just a, a little while ago. Reed's right there. He's kind of running the house, playing with something and so forth. Erica comes home and, and she just talks. She says something to maybe to one of the other kids. Can I tell you, Reed's radar goes up because you know why? He heard mommy. And that is probably the best thing in the world for a baby, Amen. Mommy, he heard, he, he stops, everything. he jumps up, and as far as his little feet can take him, he pitter-patters around, and he finds the source of that joy. It has garnered his attention more so than toys, more so than siblings, more so than food, which is saying something for him. More so than anything else, this has grabbed his attention. Can I tell you right now, you know one of the earmarks of Christ's sheep is that God's voice has their attention. God's voice has their attention. 
You see, many animals like dogs become sensitive to their owners in, in similar fashion. Many of you own animals. You own dogs. You own something else and some other kind of livestock or animal. And I, I've seen it in action. You'll say the word and boy, that dog will perk up. Ears will go up. Now, it may be fear getting you know, hit or something like that. But nonetheless, they, they know your voice. They know what, they're, what to do. They, they pay strict attention. Really, that is what's described for us here. Sheep, we are told, do the same thing. I've read accounts even this week of, of sheep with shepherds and shepherds being able to direct the sheep just simply through their voice and the sheep hearing the voice and, and controlling those sheep through the use of their voice. What are we speaking of? Well, there's recognition and there's response. There's recognition and response for Christ's sheep. It means there's an inward faith that responds with outward recognition and obedience. I hear his voice. Immediately it grabs my attention. Nothing else can distract. Nothing else can take away from it. That is the most important thing because God is speaking. They are sensitive to his voice. And what does the passage say? It's a mutual recognition. Jesus says, I know my sheep. They know me. They hear my voice. They're sensitive to it. They're tuned to it. And so they give my voice their attention. One of the best pictures, I think, of this truth is given to us by those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You remember that story? Jesus Christ has been put to death. He's, he's resurrected. They are, uh, they are unaware, per se, of, uh, of that fact, or at least have not personally experienced it. They're on this road to Emmaus. They're, they're talking, and their countenance is revealing that they've been through a, a rough week. That's the same for you and I. We can walk into church, and other people who know us well can say, wow, you, have you had a rough week? Are you okay? Well, our countenance shows it. Their countenance showed it. It's been a rough week. They've been, uh, even there on that road, been talking about some of the things that have transpired in Christ's death and his burial and, and such and, and how now the persecution was laying at their feet and what are we going to do? What's Peter going to do? What's John going to do? What's Mary going to do? Uh, you can imagine all the conversation. And as they're walking down the road to Emmaus, their eyes are blinded to the fact that Jesus Christ comes up to them. They don't recognize it as him. They think it's another traveler on that road. And so Jesus Christ comes alongside of them. He begins to talk with them. He senses that they're down in the mouth. He senses that they're discouraged. He senses that the, the past week events have, have gotten them just very low and so what does he do i love what the scripture describes jesus christ begins to encourage them you know what he encourages them with listen to me he doesn't hand them a self-help book he doesn't tell them oh everything's going to be okay i don't know why it's going to be okay but i just think everything's going to be okay you know what there's power within you you'll 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 you just you just be the fulfiller of your own dreams he doesn't say any of that junk we hear today you know what he did he talked to them about the scriptures can I tell you where encouragement and hope are found today? In the scriptures. The truth of God's word. So you know what he tells them? He says, listen, let me share some things with you. And the Bible says he goes all the way back. This is pretty amazing to me. It's pretty interesting. He goes all the way back to Moses. To Moses and the prophets, the Bible tells us in Luke 24. He goes back there and he starts recounting things that Moses said and different prophets all through the Old Testament that describe what had to happen in that week that they just experienced oh you remember that well yeah you know moses said that oh yeah that happened well you know the prophet so-and-so said that was going to happen oh yeah I, I heard that may have happened or in fact he actually played kind of played dumb to the events that went on he said oh you say that happened well that prophet said that was going to happen and you can imagine as they went along boy here he is encouraging them with the word of god because i'll tell you my friend there is nothing like the truth of god's word 
to encourage, to build up, to strengthen, to give hope where there's no hope, to give peace where there's lack of peace. There's nothing like the Word of God. Christ demonstrates it, that road to Emmaus. And so he does so, and they had reached a point where they're like, okay, let's stop, let's eat, let's break bread. And so as they began to do so, after enjoying the voice of Christ and him talking to them, they break bread, he prays, and the Bible says their eyes were opened, and they knew exactly who it was sitting there, and just when they knew it was him, what happens? He vanishes. Wouldn't that have been fun to be there? Where'd he go? What happened? What, What in the world? You know, the Bible says this is the best part. You remember what they said, the very next thing they said. I just imagine there was a moment where they kind of wiped their eyes. Where'd he go? What happened to him? But here's what they said. The verse is simple, Luke chapter 23, excuse me, verse 32. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us? By the way, while he opened to us the scripture. Now, I'll tell you, my friend, why did their heart burn within them? Listen, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. Boy, when, he, when you as a believer and you've trusted in Jesus Christ and God is speaking, isn't this amazing? It wasn't just Jesus Christ speaking on that road. You know what he used? The Word of God. You know what God uses to speak today? The Word of God. And me as a sheep, you as a sheep, our hearts burn within us like that is the truth. That is the very word of God. Or it should. Because Jesus Christ says here, this is the mark of a a sheep. If you belong to me, your heart ought to burn. You ought to be moved by the very word of God. I find it amazing that we've gotten so far into modern uh, things that we think we need everything else to stir in people. Can I just tell you, if you are his sheep, God's word ought to stir you. God's word ought to stir you. It ought to move you. It ought to burn within your heart. We ought to be able just to read the word of God in this service, and it ought to turn your heart. It ought to challenge you. It ought to burn within you because that is the word of God. You see, my sheep hear my voice. There's a recognition. There's a response. They hear my voice, and I know them. Can I put it this way? His sheep have a special response to the word of God. It is everything to them. It is life to them. It is most precious. His voice is what causes their heart to burn within them. Now let's be practical this evening. Can we just answer a question personally? Would you answer this question? Has that fire in response to his word died out some in your heart? Has the fire in your heart for his word waned? Does it not move you like it once did? The, the voice of God doesn't, doesn't draw you like it once did. And that is because we have strayed from him. All we like sheep have gone astray. Oh, the shepherd's still there. The sheepfold, he, he's ready to bring us in so we can go in and out, so we can enjoy all that he has for us, the privileges and the blessings and the protection and the provision. But we often miss it. Why? Because we go astray. Tonight, could I ask you, Do you need to ask God to fan the flames of that burning in your heart to the response of his voice? His sheep hear his voice. You know what it does? Simply this. It gets their attention. It gets their attention. My sheep hear my voice. 
And here's what it does. Look with me, verse number 4. Verse number 4, the very next thing. Notice it. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his verse. Or excuse me, his voice. Turn down to verse number 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Notice this next part. And they follow me. And they follow me. We've seen that his sheep have entered in by the one and only door. His sheep go in and out uh, and are abundantly satisfied. His sheep hear his voice and are sensitive to it. Number four, his sheep follow their shepherd. His sheep follow their shepherd. The end of verse three says it well, doesn't it? He does what? He leadeth them out. That's the end of verse three. Then it comes and says, listen, that's, that's him. He's speaking. He's talking to us. God's going to lead us. And I don't know about you, but I sure am thankful for a God of heaven that guides us and directs us. He leads us. That's what it says. He leads us, right? Our shepherd's going to lead us. And you can imagine a shepherd leading a, a herd or a flock, a herd, a flock of sheep, and, and they're heading out and so forth, right? And the, the shepherd's leading. That's what he'll do. And I can imagine a sheep saying, come on, come on, come on this way, come this way. I mean, as many of you might talk to your dog or something like that. That shepherd talks to the sheep. Come this way. Come on. Come on, guys. And the sheep, the shepherd is leading the sheep. But there's a responsibility on the sheep's part. Not only you certainly hear the voice, be sensitive. Oh, the shepherd talked. The shepherd said something. I got to listen to the shepherd. And then it elicits a response. And that's what we see described here in verse 4 and verse 27. It says that he leads, he, he speaks, and the sheep follow him. Follow him. This is the response of obedience we alluded to earlier. Literally, the shepherd's voice has gotten their attention. And now they respond to that voice. We know well, and we've been told often, a sheep will follow the voice they know. Has there ever been a time that you tried to talk to a dog that didn't belong to you? Can I tell you, there's been a few times on visitation, other times, I came across a very unkind dog. In fact, there was just a time ago... (laughs) I think it was Earl and I were out, I believe. And uh, the dogs like Earl. They did not like me. And his dogs chased me all the way back to the car, pretty much. And Earl got to stay out there with him. I don't know what it was. He must have smelled like a steak or something. I don't know. But anyway. But there's times that I've been out there and tried to talk to a dog. You ever talk to a dog that's not yours? You try to sound commanding. You try to sound, stop right there, you know. And the dog looks at you. You know what he's looking at you like? He cocks his head and says, I don't know you. I don't know your voice. Now, you sound authoritative, but I don't know about this. I may have to taste you and see if you are. No. But he, you never seen a dog look at you that way? You're like, stop. Right there. Nope. No, sir. Get down right now. And you're like, and then the dog's like, look at that. Who are you? I don't know you. But boy, that owner comes out and says, hey, get down right now. And boy, sometimes those dogs put their tail, right, their, their tail between their legs and go right back. I'm like, I'm saying the same thing. But they don't know my voice. They don't listen to my voice. So they're not going to obey me. They're not going to follow That's a great picture of the truth presented here. You and I are God's sheep. We ought to be sensitive to his voice. And when he leads, and as he always does, our response is obedience. We hear his voice. We respond because why? Well, just like that dog, they know their their owner's voice well. And so you and I ought to know the voice of God well. You see, here's the fruit of the relationship. This whole relationship that is described in John chapter 10, the shepherd with the sheep, you and I with Christ and God, here's the fruit of the relationship. God's sheep respond to his voice by following his lead. They're sensitive to it, and in turn, they obey. They follow him wherever he leads and in whatever he asks. 
Can I just ask you tonight, are you one of his sheep? Are you listening to and following his voice tonight? This brings up one more earmark. Look at verse number five. Verse number five, we find the next one. It says this, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. That's a great statement, isn't it? So here, notice it, and Christ makes an application. He says, listen, here's an earmark. Here's a sign of who are my sheep. His sheep refuse to follow, but rather flee from a stranger. It's an interesting verse. Christ inserts here. True sheep don't abandon Christ, the good shepherd, to follow a false shepherd. In fact, it's quite the opposite. They know the voice of their shepherd and his commands and leadings. So they stubbornly refuse to follow anyone else, but rather flee from then, as I gave the illustration a moment ago with the dog. You and I might come across sheep. We might find sheep skittish. They run away from you and I. If you've ever approached a fence sometime with sheep, sometimes they'll just run away, a little skittish per se. But in the spiritual realm, you know what we call that? We call that discernment. Discernment. So Jesus Christ is bringing the illustration. You know how sheep, they're not going to follow a stranger. They're not going to respond to a voice they don't know. You, as God's sheep, ought to be careful. You ought to not listen to a stranger's voice. You ought to not listen to the, those who are trying to lead us astray. I, I find it rather interesting that in the New Testament, as much as anywhere else, obviously as much as the Old Testament, you know what we have warnings against? False teachers. False Christ. False prophets. False doctrine. There's warning after warning after warning after warning. Saying, beware, especially as we get closer to Christ's return. Beware. These people are going to try to lead you astray. There'll be people who come and say, I'm the voice of the good shepherd. And they're not. Don't speak for him. They're not sharing what he would say. You see, my friend, His sheep know His voice. They will know when someone doesn't speak for Him. They are discerning. And even though we don't think of sheep as being very smart or or wise overall, you know what? It's clear that in this way, they are wise. They're not going to follow a stranger. They're not going to listen to a voice they don't know. They're not going to be led astray in that way. Can we put it this way? How is this kind of true discernment developed? May I just tell you, this is very simple. You know it well. You expose yourself to and listen to the voice of God and His Word often. You know what His voice sounds like. You know what He says. You know His heart. You understand what is the heartbeat of God. And how do you do that? You spend time with Him knowing and hearing His voice. Why does a pet, why does a dog react so well to an owner's voice? Because you know what? They spend a lot of time in their presence. My friend, can I tell you the greatest defense, the greatest defense against false doctrine, false prophets, false religions, false Christ is spend time with your Savior. Be in His Word. Hear His voice. Enjoy. Learn about your God. Learn His voice. Learn the heart of God. You know what Christ is saying here? You've got to know the real thing very well to discern the counterfeit, even a good counterfeit. You've got to know your shepherd well to be able to identify the strangers, what Christ said. Hey, strangers are going to come. They're going to try to lead you astray. There's going to be Satan and others who try to get you off track. Uh, make sure you, their voice is foreign to you. And if it isn't the voice of God, do not follow it. See, this is one of the earmarks of his sheep. 
the type of sheep that you and I need to be in 2024 and the entirety of the time until Christ's return. Number one, a sheep have entered by the one and only door. Number two, his sheep go in and out and are abundantly satisfied. Number three, his sheep hear his voice and they're sensitive to it. Number four, his sheep follow the shepherd. Number five, his sheep refuse to follow but rather flee from a stranger. Last but not least, we turn to verses 28 and 29. Would you look there with me and we'll be done. Jesus Christ as the good shepherd says this, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. You know, whenever we use an illustration, whenever we give a picture, even within Scriptures, you know there are times that we come to realize that that illustration, that example or that picture doesn't hold up across the board. There's something that's a little bit different and so forth. And we think of even things that the Old Testament picture as Jesus Christ. We realize that they're just a picture, a shadow of it. They're not like the real thing. And so with every illustration, there, there's often something that, okay, you can't say it's exactly like that in that area. And this is true of the sheep, right? Even what Christ is saying here. I'm going to tell you, God is saying something in this passage about his sheep that cannot be said about sheep in general. In fact, get this. If I were to ask you, and we were to go around the room, said, okay, share with me a few descriptions of sheep. How would you describe a sheep? One word, a little phrase, and, and what would you say a sheep is like? Well, we could go around the whole room, and I venture this guess. None of you would say what God describes a sheep to be here. Because that's not something that we normally think of. In fact, I don't think I've ever read in any kind of book uh, or any kind of description, any kind of message or sermon, a sheep described as God describes a sheep to be his sheep to be here. See, Pastor Henry, what in the world is, is this description? Well, the fact is this. When someone is Christ's sheep, this can be said of them because he is their shepherd. What is that? Well, <laughs> number one, his <laughs> number six, his sheep enjoy secure eternal life. We'll get back to that, but here's the point. His sheep are what? Fearless sheep. His sheep are fearless sheep. Can I just tell you right now, I've never had anybody describe sheep as fearless. I've never, when, we, when I read a book, and, and uh, uh, Philip Keller is a, a gentleman who wrote a great understanding of Psalm 23 and some other things, and in those kinds of books, I've never read of a sheep described as fearless. Here is where I might say this. The analogy, the illustration, does not hold up. The illustration does, uh, kind of falls apart, but that's not the point, because I'll tell you right now, we may be like sheep, but there's something special about being God's sheep. And here it is. I've given them eternal life. So they do not perish. You know what he says right then? Listen, if you're one of his sheep, there is nothing to fear in sin, in death, in eternity. You can be a fearless sheep. In fact, you ought to be. Because I have given unto you eternal life. It's not something that we have earned, we have merited, we have warranted. He alone gives us eternal life. So therefore, since we did nothing to gain it, we can do nothing to lose it. And to give a comforting aspect to this, this picture, you know what he says? 
Here's what he says. He, he, he gives this picture of it, right? He goes kind of back to this illustration. He says, you know what? No one, no one can take my sheep out of my hands or the hands of my father. Literally, it's like you as my sheep. Me and my father, we have you in our arms. And we've often seen a picture maybe of a, a, a small lamb and in a shepherd's arms. And, and you're not going to separate that shepherd from that little lamb. And one might say, you know what? That shepherd would probably die before he lets you take that little lamb out of his hands. Can I tell you? That's a pretty good description because here's what happened. The shepherd died so you won't ever have to leave his hands. My friend, he says, you're not going to pluck him. No one's going to take you when you're one of mine. Mm -mm. I give unto them eternal life. They will not perish. There is nothing to fear. You are one of his. That picture of a shepherd cradling a lamb in his arms, something he would never surrender. That is you and I in the hands of Christ, so therefore there is no fear among his sheep. Why? Because he promises us that we are eternally secure. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Can I just tell you right now, I'm looking at a bunch of sheep that are enjoying everlasting life. You say, Pastor Henry, I'm, I'm not in heaven, believe me. I like Michigan, but it ain't in heaven. You're exactly right. But my friend, the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your everlasting life began. Your life in Jesus Christ. And my friend, Jesus Christ said, you are eternally secure. No man's going to pluck you out of my hands. You are his. One of my favorite hymns, you know it well. I am his and he is mine. You know what all this does? As we read chapter 10, and there's more here, and many more intelligent men could drive a lot more out of it, but I'll tell you this. You know all these earmarks and all these descriptions of God's sheep? You know what it ought to move us to do? It ought to move us to do what Asaph did in the book of Psalms. Here's what he said in Psalm 79, 13. He says this, So we, thy people, and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. May I say this? Tonight, in our prayer time, we ought to praise God for being our shepherd. For allowing us into his sheephold through Jesus Christ, his son. But number two, hey, young people, listen to me. You've done a great job. Look up this way. Every eyeball up this way. Children, look up this way. Teenagers, look up this way. Can I just tell you something? It is good to be a sheep in God's sheephold. It's a good thing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because my friend, there is nothing better. And you could be a fearless sheep when you belong to him trust him today don't let another day go by without him being your good shepherd i trust god's word was an encouragement to you tonight you and i can take it and apply it right now i ask brother cliff to bring those prayers